Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good side with everyone. Uh, thankful for the opportunity to speak. So thank you, elders and leadership, uh, for the opportunity to stand here and present Yahweh's Word. And if I fly through the uh, scriptures uh, and you don't write it all down, hit me up after services and I'll be glad to fill you in. All right. This is probably not the question that I should be asking right now at about 11.45. What are you hungry for? There's going to be a few aspects from Scripture that will be examined regarding hunger. I'll begin looking at the impact of food as well as the hunger for the carnal and the spiritual things. We'll be looking through several passages in the Scriptures to see what people hunger for. But before we dive into Scripture, we have a question that needs to be answered, which I've already presented. What does hunger mean? Uh, Many people would say that hunger is a desire to eat and a desire to satisfy oneself. I've been a big fan of Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Uh, This is what no Webster says the definition of hunger is. In its noun form, it is an uneasy sensation occasioned by the want of food, a craving of food by the stomach, craving appetite. Hunger is not merely want of food, for persons when sick may abstain long from eating without hunger or an appetite for food. Hunger, therefore, is the pain or uneasiness of the stomach of a healthy person when too long destitute of food. And also it is any strong or eager desire, which is going to be primarily what we'll be looking at. Uh, For hunger of my gold, I die, is what he put in there as an example. And when hunger is a verb, it's to feel the pain or uneasiness, which is occasioned by long abstinence from food, to crave food, to desire with great eagerness, to long for. And the one great thing about Noah, in a lot of his definitions, He puts in scripture, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5, 6. And we'll be going back to that verse pretty frequently. So yes, we see here with that the definition of hunger has several different definitions, and any one of them can can fulfill the common definition for hunger. I won't be going into Greek or the Hebrew at this time, uh, something that can be interesting if you uh, hunger to do so in your own time. So we look at hunger in Genesis. Numerous times throughout Scripture, people go hungry for something, and they have desires that they feel need to be satisfied. Uh, we can find Eve in Genesis 3, through the sep- uh, serpent's deception. She hungered to experience what the serpent was saying to her. She hungered for that fresh knowledge, or a new experience, to see if what the serpent said was true. In similar fashion, we look in the book of Acts, the Bereans, they hungered to see what Paul spoke, and if it was true. The difference is the Bereans sought the word of Yahweh instead of the deceptive and crafty words of the adversary. And later, after even her deception, we see another instance in the same book, and we see the examples of Cain and Abel. Abel hungered to do what was right and presented an honorable sacrifice and offering to Yahweh, while Cain did not. Cain later hungered for revenge to get back at Abel, and he killed him. There are many other examples of people hungering for wickedness or hungering for righteousness within the book of Genesis. 
But further on in Genesis, we are introduced to the name Yahweh Yireh, Yahweh who provides. Abraham was surely reluctant, yet willing to sacrifice his promised son Isaac so that he could be hungry and faithful for Yahweh. What are we willing to sacrifice to follow after Yahweh, to hunger for our creator? Then we move into the book of Exodus, and we see the complaints due to hunger, their satisfaction. The Israelites were miraculously given manna and quail, yet they still complained. Can we go back to Egypt? In Exodus 16.3, the Israelites said, If we had only died by Yahweh's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. But finding peace that Yahweh was providing food and protection for them as a free people should have been a far greater thing than having all the food they could eat in a cruel slavery. We move on in Deuteronomy 8. So this is going to be a place where you can uh, go ahead and turn in. We're going to be reading uh, 1 through 20, or pretty much the whole chapter. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses repeats what Yahweh instructed the people of Israel. This was a warning that if the people will seek after Yahweh and cause their desires to follow Yahweh's commands, that they will be blessed and provided for. If they don't keep Yahweh's commands, they will see Yahweh's righteous judgment for their disobedience. So starting off in verse 1, Deuteronomy 8. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that Yahweh swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that Yahweh, your Elohim, has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of Yahweh. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son... Yahweh your Elohim disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of Yahweh your Elohim by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For Yahweh your Elohim is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless Yahweh your Elohim for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget Yahweh your Elohim by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up, and you forget Yahweh your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, 
My power in the might of my hand has given me this wealth, so that you shall remember Yahweh your Elohim, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget Yahweh your Elohim, and go after other mighty ones, and serve them, and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you will surely perish. Like the nations that Yahweh makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, because you will not obey the voice of Yahweh, your Elohim. So going back to verse 3, He humbled you, let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Let make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. So this is akin to the dependence and the humbling we should be going through during the Day of Atonement uh, we did a couple weeks back. Now we should be letting ourselves be hungered for food and water, or maybe just the simple little desires that may drive us away from Yahweh. Again, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be fulfilled. And Yahshua quoted the passage of Deuteronomy 8.3 in his temptation. Like the devil, we can take any verse from the scripture out of context. But that does not make it true. Rightly dividing scripture brings about true doctrine. Yahweh's word alone is truth, what Yeshua affirmed in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Then moving on, we look at Elijah in 1 Kings uh, 17. So if you'll go ahead and turn there. Uh, So for more examples, um, like I said, we're going into... Elijah. It was recorded that Elijah was fed by the birds of the air. And just think, DoorDash and Amazon's drone delivery has nothing on Yahweh and his timely deliverance or delivery by the ravens. So I just thought it was a kind of a neat throwback right there. So 1 Kings 17, 1 through 16. Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As Yahweh the El of Israel lives, before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Then Yahweh's word came to Elijah, saying, Go away from here, turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is, before the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to Yahweh's word, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is, before the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. After a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Yahweh, Yahweh Yairam, Yahweh who provides. Who needs to be hungry when you are faithful to Yahweh, and, because, and he causes his creation to sustain you? Elijah didn't have to do anything but obey, and he got, got two full squares in solitary. Well, don't think he was in jail, but more like the witness protection agency. Uh, with the wicked queen Jezebel and the just as bad king Ahab, ruling all of Israel, Elijah and the other faithful prophets were constantly being hidden to avoid being killed. So then moving on to verse 8, Yahweh's word again came to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain you. So he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, there was a widow who was gathering sticks. He called to her, Please, get me a little water in a jar, so that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. 
And she said, as Yahweh your El lives, I don't have anything baked, but only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jar. And I am gathering two sticks right now that I may go in and bake it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, make some for you and for your son. For Yahweh the El of Israel says, The jar of meal will not run out, the jar of oil will not fail, until uh, that day Yahweh sends rain on the earth. So she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she, he, and her household ate many days. The jar of meal didn't run out, and the jar of oil didn't fail, according to Yahweh's word, which he spoke by Elijah. So staying faithful and and confident in Yahweh's word gives us opportunities to represent Yahweh and bring him the glory and honor he deserves. This woman had a valid concern that she and her son would die with the limited amount of oil and meal she was left left with to make food. But Yahweh spoke to Elijah and provided a miracle that took care of the widow and her son. The widow hungered for food when it was scarce, but she ultimately trusted that Yahweh was with the prophet Elijah and that Yahweh would provide. She made a cake for Elijah before preparing food for her son and for herself. But from that point on, the jar of meal and the jar of oil did not run out until Yahweh sent the rain on the earth during that drought. And we can look at other, option, uh, other instances of hunger and the desire, more in the spiritual sense, in the books of Psalms and Proverbs. And I'll be kind of going through just a small portion of what we can find. In Psalm 34, 8 through 10, it's probably a famous one, more familiar. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear Yahweh, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek Yahweh shall not lack any good thing. Then moving on to Psalm 107, uh, 8 through 9, and then skipping over to 33 and 36. Oh, that men would give thanks to Yahweh for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And verse 33, he turns rivers into a wilderness, the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wicked of those who dwell in it. And speaking of the righteousness, or the righteous people. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may, be, uh, they may yield a fruitful harvest. And he also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. In Psalm 146, 5-7, Happy is he who has the El of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in Yahweh his Elohim, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Yahweh gives freedom to the prisoners. And Proverbs 19, 23 and 24. The fear of Yahweh leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. 
So even the sluggard, looking in that last verse, may have everything for him, but if he's not willing to be able to reach out and be active in faith and hungering and searching for the good things of Yahweh, won't even bring it back to his mouth. And it's almost like the, the rich man in uh, speaking to Yeshua, what do I have to, uh, to live for life or to have everlasting life? To do the commands, okay? I've done those for every, uh, from, a, from a child. Then sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow me. He has the word of life in front of him, reaching out, but not willing to be able to step up in faith and to follow after Yeshua and Yahweh. So in the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Yahshua speaks of the man's hunger in Matthew 5, 6. Again, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But starting in verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see Elohim. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of Elohim. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And just like we heard about Elijah and those prophets during Ahab. And then continuing on in the sermon uh, in Matthew 6, 31 and 33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And then kind of going back in time, but further on in Scripture, uh, going to Luke 1 and 46 through 53, uh, this is when uh, Mary spoke of Yahweh's goodness when her cousin Elizabeth confirmed that she would bear the Messiah. And Mary said, My soul magnifies Yahweh, and my spirit rejoices in Elohim my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever and then next we got a, a look at Peter's uh, critter vision if you want to call it uh, many people in the Christian churches 
They'll state Acts 10 as a reason for calling the unclean animals food, and many times consider the vision as a two-part doctrine, that Gentiles were brought into faith, and an all-you-can-eat buffet ensued. But let's keep the doctrine to what is easily read. Uh, during that time, Gentiles were considered unclean or common by the Jewish people of the time. And if you want to turn there, I'll be going through most of Acts 10. So starting in verse 1, there is a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, one who feared Elohim with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to Elohim always. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of Elohim coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, master? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before Elohim. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel spoke to him, uh, and when the angel spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his servant, household servants and another devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So let's get a little more backstory on Je- uh, Cornelius, Gentiles, and other aspects. So he was a Gentile. Uh, he was still considered a devout man before Gentiles were supposedly able to be brought into salvation through Yeshua. In what regard was this man devout? Scripture shows that he gave alms generously to the people, which was what Yahweh instructed the Israelites to do. Deuteronomy 24 instructs those that gather in grapes not to glean the vines, but to leave the rest for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. The writer of Proverbs spoke several times about the further care and mercy we are to have on the poor and our neighbors just like Yeshua's parable of the Good Samaritan. So Proverbs 14:31. I'll be going over these real quick. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 19:17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to Yahweh, and he will repay him for his deeds. Proverbs 21:13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out, and not be answered. And finally, Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. So getting back to Acts, uh, Cornelius also feared Elohim and prayed to Elohim always. Cornelius was hungry for Yahweh and seems he earnestly sought Yahweh. He must have read Isaiah 56, where Yahweh is welcoming all people yearning to follow all, Yahweh all the way. And I'll be reading 1 through 8 on Isaiah 56. This is what Yahweh says. Be fair and just to all. Do what is right and good. For I am coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. Blessed are those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to Yahweh say, Yahweh will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what Yahweh says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy 
and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could ever give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners, the Gentiles, who commit themselves to Yahweh, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the, for the sovereign Yahweh, who brings back the outcasts of Israel, says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. So going back to Acts 10 and the hungry duo, Cornelius and Peter. Chapter 9, or verse 9, uh, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about the sixth hour. Then when he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And it were all kind of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. So there's no designation that all these were clean or unclean, but just all kinds of four-footed beasts of the, animal, of the earth, the wild, the creeping, and the birds of the air. A voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, master, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What Elohim has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done a total of three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter was wondering within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate. They called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And Peter was still hungry, thinking about the vision, and the Spirit said to him, Behold, there are three men seeking you. Arise, go down, and go with them. Doubt nothing, I have sent them. So this vision that we read occurred while Peter was hungry. And what better way to provide an analogy than using something pertaining to the current circumstances. Peter's practice was fully obeying the instructions found in the Torah of Yahweh, and possibly a little extra from the influence of the Pharisees. Pharisaism was prevalent in the first century. There are many examples of Pharisaism being exposed as wickedness by our Messiah Yeshua. And specifically, Matthew 15 and his parallel Mark 7 come to mind and show how the Pharisees elevated the traditions of man over the commands of Yahweh. But those two passages are also used as another approval for eating whatever you want. But further apologetics on why we believe unclean animals are not to be considered food for believers, that can become at another time. Uh, but this was a vision. Visions and dreams in the scriptures represent what will come to be. The dreams that Joseph had, the dreams that Joseph interpreted, the dreams that Daniel interpreted, and the visions that Daniel saw, for an example, were very exact in what they represented. Uh, 
So why would a vision given to a Torah-keeping fisherman not make for some kind of mention of, hey, we can eat anything we want now, if that were the case? So Peter wondered within himself what the vision meant, as verse 17 meant, or says. The realization of what the vision meant came to Peter when the Spirit spoke to him. There was one unclean or common person for each time the sheet of unclean and common animals came down. After speaking with Cornelius's entourage, Peter came to Cornelius's house, and the hungering centurion was satisfied. And moving on into Paul in Romans 12, uh, 14 through 21, he quotes Proverbs 21, 21 through 22 in his letter to the assembly. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, Give him water to drink, for in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head, and Yahweh will reward you. So in uh, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own Uh, in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of Elohim, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says Yahweh. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we need to be eager to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile for those who ask for the first mile. We need to make peace with those that we can. If there is a time for revenge, leave it with Yahweh. Forgive does not mean forget. We aren't called forget those who sin against us, but just to forgive them. 70 times 7 times. We don't need to stand idle and take every abuse that comes our way, but what we do in response to offenses still needs to be holy and righteous. And I'm looking for hunger. I found, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. Uh, two Hebrew words for dying are gavah, uh, and it's the Hebrew 1478, Strong's numbering, and Lamoth, age 4191. And there's at least one rabbi during the medieval period who looked at the different words for dying, the ones that I just mentioned, and how how it related to the manner of life that was lived. He was named Rabbi Solomon ben Isaac, or commonly known as Rashi. He saw the possibility of those two words, Gavah and Lamoth, being similar in that they signified death. But he pointed out when scripture indicated that someone died, and it uses the word gavah, it means he died as a righteous person. But if it used the word lamoth, it means that the person did not die as a righteous person. So Rashi's association was taken from the Semitic origin of the word gavah, which means to hunger or to be empty, to have a longing to be filled with something. This is my own speculation, but this may imply that a dead person does not eat and thus 
will be perpetually hunger, or hungry with no way of being satisfied. But if that association that Rashi uh, recorded is true, it goes back to Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And while some at that time may have seen themselves as a person spending their time hungering for righteousness and yet die never being filled, Yeshua assured them that one day the righteous person will be filled for Yeshua himself will take on our sins and die for them so that there will be no barrier to being satisfied in righteousness. So normally I don't usually push for too many of the early church fathers and other early writers, but it kind of seemed to tie in pretty nicely. Um, but if you do care to look into the occurrences of Gavat and Lamoth on your own time in a concordance, let me know what you feel or what you find out. I'll be doing my own study on that, and maybe we can talk about it. Uh, it's kind of found it neat. So in closing, we need to look at the truth of Yahweh's word and our hunger for righteousness in all areas of our life. We need to see what we hunger for and what we crave in this life. Do we hunger for material gain to receive notoriety? Is it to keep up with the neighbors? Or is it to live a life that draws people to Yahweh, to live in faithful obedience to Yahweh? The King James Bible in 1 Peter 2.9 puts it, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. While peculiar isn't really used in other translations, the others, other translations state that we are a special possession, that we are purchased, but it still has a special meaning of being holy, called out, different, and separate from the world. And I'll leave you with Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a basket, but you put it on a stand and it shines to all who are in the house. Even so, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. May Yahweh bless the hearing of his word.